The Online Marketing Show. Every day with Joseph Bushnell. Helping you to grow your online business by driving more traffic, improving conversion rates, increasing customer value, and getting things done fast. Listen, take action, make money. Hi, welcome to the Online Marketing Show. I'm your host, Joey Bushnell. Today I'm joined by top copywriter Ray Edwards. Go to rayedwards.com to find out more. Ray, thank you so much for being with me today. Well, thank you. It's my honor and my privilege, Joey. Ray, how did you get into copywriting? Well, you know, it's interesting uh, because I've been asked this question a number of times, and the true answer is I got into it accidentally. I didn't realize I was getting into it. When I was really young, Um, I used to stay at my grandparents' house. I'm talking about when I was like seven or eight or nine years old. And my grandmother used to read these tabloid uh, newspapers. We, uh, I don't know if you, you have papers like this in the UK. I'm sure we have the Weekly World News and, Mm -hmm. um, uh, those sort of papers. And anyway, there were these articles that I would read in these papers that were fascinating to me. And they were about, uh, one of the ones that I remember seeing a number of times was one about how you could rub pain out of your body. And what I only realized years later was I used to read those articles uh, thoroughly. I would read them over and over again. And I only realized later that they weren't actually articles. They were full-page ads that were written by the late, great Eugene Schwartz, one of the greatest copywriters of all time. Mm -hmm. And there was something about the way that he wrote that just fascinated me. And so I became kind of a, a direct mail junkie. I loved to read, you know, I was the weird guy who loved to read all those uh, long sales letters and brochures and pamphlets and magalogs that came in the mail. And that was really the beginning for me. And then after that, um, as I got into the radio business in later years, was a disc jockey and a manager and a vice president, I started using direct response mail techniques to promote our radio stations and to help our our customers or advertisers at the, at the radio station to help them grow their businesses. And so consequently, I ended up studying people like Jay Abraham and then, you know, just the classics, Claude Hopkins and Eugene Schwartz. And, and uh, eventually I made the transition out of radio into full-time copywriting and marketing consultation. Those early adverts that you used to read by Eugene Schwartz, you said you didn't realize they were actually ads. Was that because it was written in an editorial style? Yes, they were written in an editorial style. Of course, now, you know, as an adult, uh-huh. I would know automatically because there was always a response coupon at mm-hmm. the bottom of the ad. But mm-hmm. I just, as a, I remember clearly that as a child, I thought, well, here's a great story in this newspaper. And if you want to get the book that the story is based on, you could just order the book. And that's what he was selling was books, sure. which is another amazing thing about Eugene Schwartz was that he wrote these ads that made him, that made him wealthy. And uh, he was actually just selling books, just like you would buy in a bookstore, only he was selling them at like 10 or 15 times the price you would pay at a bookstore for the same book. Cool. So, Ray, you've been doing this for a long time now. You've gone freelance and been a consultant and a copywriter for quite some time. And over the years, you've written for some pretty big names, names that everyone listening has probably heard of, internet marketing gurus, personal development experts, that kind of thing. Would you mind letting us know a few of those people that you've worked with? Well, sure. I, I've had the, the privilege of writing for some really smart, uh, even famous people like um, Tony Robbins and uh, Jack Canfield and Mark Victor Hansen. Those two are the guys 
who created the Chicken Soup for the Soul Empire, mm-hmm. and for Robert Allen, who wrote uh, the most famously he wrote the book Nothing Down, but he's written other books like uh, Cash in a Flash, was his latest book, and uh, multiple streams of income, and and then uh, other than that, you know, just in the in the uh, marketing space. Uh, I've written and worked with uh, Jeff Walker and Frank Kern and Rich Shefford, Armin Morin, Alex Mondosian, Joel Kamm, Willie Crawford, Ken MacArthur, um, uh, Mark Joyner, just about anybody who is uh, well-known in the online marketing space, I've written copy for, worked for them on a product launch or something like that. And, and that, you know, really – that how that all happened was uh, really just through word of mouth. The first few folks that I worked with uh, were uh, people like Stephen Pierce and Alex Mondosian and uh, Stu McLaren, who's now the you know co-founder of Wishlist Products. Uh, he was putting on seminars at that time, and and so just through talking with their friends and and sharing around, you know, who wrote that copy for you, I ended up working for all these other folks. Alex Mondosian was a key contact for me because he just kept recommending people to me. And he would call me out of the blue and say. Hey, uh, Ray, would you be interested in writing some stuff for Jack Canfield? <laughs> and, you know, I'd pick myself up off the floor and say, uh, of course, yes, I think I could be available for that. Awesome stuff. You know you're doing something right when the gurus are giving you word of mouth referrals. Incredible. I'd like to ask you some questions about copywriting today and help everyone listening to improve their own copywriting. My first question was, what's the number one reason why a website visitor would land on your page and then leave again without making a purchase? Well, it's really simple. Uh, they just don't believe you. Mm-hmm. They they just don't believe that you have a solution to your to their problem, uh, and they don't trust you. And mm-hmm. that's our job in, as copywriters and marketers is to help people get to know us, like us, and trust us, as John Jantz uh, says famously in Duct Tape Marketing, and then also to make them believe us. You know, my good friend and colleague Michael Fortin um, says that. There's three things people never do at first when they visit your website. They never read anything at first, they never believe anything at first, and they never do anything at first. And what he means by that is they, they don't read your copy. They skim, scan, and scroll it. Uh, they, nobody just comes to your website and starts reading it at the top and reads every word to the bottom. Uh, they don't believe anything you say at first, and they're, they're always, you know, they've got that critic in their back of their mind saying, I don't believe this is true. Uh, this is this guy is lying to me, or this lady's trying to rip me off, and they don't do anything at first because they're very hesitant, especially these days, about spending their money online. And the key word, the key phrase in all of that is at first. If you can catch their attention and then you can weave a story that authentically convinces them and shows them how you can help, then you can change all of that so that they do read, they do believe, and they do actually take action. So is this all done on a sales letter, Ray? Is it good to build up some kind of foundation before that, maybe with social media and email marketing, that kind of thing, build up some trust and rapport before you actually send the traffic to the page? Then it's warm traffic rather than cold. Well, yes, absolutely, Joey. And you know, you're so insightful to ask that question because this is what I refer to as meta persuasion. Mm-hmm. And you know, the, the prefix meta simply means bigger than beyond, outside the scope of simply persuasion. Persuasion is you show up at my page and I grab you by the lapels and say, hey, I've got an offer for you. You should listen to it. Here's why. Mm -hmm. Meta-persuasion is you consciously engineer the social signals 
so that when people arrive at your sales message, they already think, I, I kind of know this person mm-hmm. because I've seen them on Facebook. I've seen them on Twitter. I've seen them quoted on other people's blogs. Social media is key. And, you know, people who think that social media, like if I go out and spam Twitter or I spam my Facebook for, wall, that I'll be able to make a lot of money. That's not how it works. How mm-hmm. it works is you use those mediums to develop relationship and rapport with people, as you said. Mm-hmm. So that when they arrive at your website and they are, are ready to receive a sales message from you, they view you in a different context. You have set the frame through which they view you and your offer. Why is it important to be timely and current? Well, because uh, as Robert Collier, the, the, like the grandfather of all direct response marketers, uh, he, who lived in the previous century and did a lot of famous work back then, he's quoted, uh, and oftentimes this quote is attributed to different people, but he's the guy who said this originally, and that is that you must, as a copywriter, join the conversation that is already taking place in the mind of the reader. Mm-hmm. And uh, Tony Robbins puts it this way. He says that fastest and easiest way to influence someone is with what's already influencing them. So right now, what's what's something that's on the top of mind for everyone? Uh, there's a couple of things that are happening uh, in the news right now mm-hmm. that everybody's talking about. One of them is there's uh, there's some world famous games that are taking place <laughs> in the United Kingdom. Yep, I've heard of them. <laughs> I'm sure you have. Uh, probably you're a little bit tired of hearing of them. Yeah. Uh, but uh, your life will go back to normal someday. I promise. <laughs> um, the uh, you know so as a marketer. You have to figure out, okay, so how can I talk about that in a way that allows me to then talk about my product or my offer mm-hmm. and tie the two together? And, of course, you've got to be careful in the case of something like the Olympic Games. They're very picky about how you use their brand. Mm-hmm. But you know, we can certainly talk about summer games and athletic excellence and things like that. And the reason that's important is it's already on the mind of your readers, of your prospects, and it's easier to get their attention with what they're already thinking about as opposed to trying to interrupt them with something that was nowhere on their radar screen. You advise that when we are writing, we should write in an active voice. What is an active voice, Ray? Well, if you go back to your uh, literature or composition classes, you may remember that there there are, is an active voice and there's a passive voice. Mm-hmm. And the passive voice is where the subject of the sentence is being acted upon and it's a weaker stance. So it's like if you're writing a memo in your office, you would say, um, the meeting will happen Wednesday night at 7. That's a passive way of saying it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the active way of saying it is, we are meeting at 7 p.m. Wednesday night. So the in that case, the, the, the meeting that is happening is presented in an active um in an active manner that makes it just feels more alive and more immediate. It's like there was a famous uh, political gaffe that was made in the United States by one of our uh, fabulous presidents. And uh, his response when it was exposed in the media was to say, well, yes, mistakes were made. Mm-hmm. Well, he took a lot of criticism for that statement because it's it was a passive statement that tried to shift the attention somewhere else. Instead of saying, I made a mistake. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My administration made a mistake. That's an active way of stating the same thing. So when you're writing sales copy or putting together marketing materials, it's much better to talk about your product, your service, 
or your offer in an active voice as opposed to a passive voice. You also say that we should show and not tell on our sales letters. So what do you mean by that? Well, think of it this way. In, in, um, in any storytelling, there is a, there's a, a form called, uh, I believe the term is in media res, and it means in, we start in the midst of the action. Uh, and it's much more engaging. So you begin by uh, making a demonstration rather than um, rather than talking about how amazing and fantastic and helpful and useful and um, and all of these other adjectives <laughs> your product your offer is. You simply demonstrate it by one one way to do it in written copy to say imagine that you're faced with yet another day of making cold calls. You know that you're going to knock on the door and you're not going to be welcome. You're going to be viewed as an annoying pest. What if you could turn all of that around? Imagine instead that when you approach a business, the owner runs out to greet you as you're getting out of your car, grabs you by the hand, shakes your hand, invites you in, and sets you up with a cup of coffee and says, what have you got to share with me today? Now you've demonstrated if you're giving a, um, if you're selling a product that helps salespeople develop rapport with their prospects, you've just demonstrated the actual outcome of your product as opposed to just talking about how it makes their life easier. So you want to, wherever possible, and it's usually done through storytelling. Mm-hmm. And, if, and by the way, we're talking about copy. Copy encompasses the written word and it also encompasses the scripting that you might use to produce videos. Mm-hmm. So, it, easily be instead of saying imagine you could be demonstrating it through video i mean think about infomercials as as much as we like to joke about them the power of the infomercial 75 to 80 percent of an infomercial is one of two things it is either uh, testimonials people uh, talking about how they benefited from the use of the product or a demonstration of the product at work you know like the uh, the amazing car wax they burn the hood of the car with a blowtorch and it looks horrible, and they rub this car wax on it, and it looks like it's brand new. That's so much more than any claim I could make about the advanced polymer construction of my car wax. Nobody cares about that. What they care about is, hey, I rubbed this stuff on my car, and my car looks new. I just saw them do it. It must be true. That's the power of showing instead of telling. Obviously, Ray, some products or services are more demonstrable than others. So if you have a product that has that element to it that would really suit it, would you recommend actually getting a video on the page and showing it in action? Oh, yes, absolutely. In almost every case these days, when uh, clients, colleagues, my own products, when we, when we test video against static text, mm-hmm. video wins. And if you, especially if you've got a product that lends itself to demonstration, then I absolutely have a video available on the page to do that demonstration. Why should we consider making a damaging confession? Well, it all comes down to trust. And, you know, we don't trust people who present uh, everything in their life or in their business or about themselves as perfect. Mm-hmm. Yet, you know, think about it. You've probably had the experience of, you know, seeing the slick pitch man or the slick pitch woman and their hair is perfect and their coat and tie is perfect and every word they say is obviously scripted and it's all slick and we we often respond to that kind of presentation by saying well it's just too perfect mm-hmm. because we know better we're we're all human beings regardless of what culture we grew up in and we all know that each of us and each business possesses certain flaws so it's better 
if you can just go ahead and admit what those flaws are right up front. And, you know, it's, and you have to be careful with this mm-hmm. because you want to be disingenuous and manipulative. You know, it's like when you're called in for a job interview and they ask you, well, what are your, what would you say your biggest fault is? If you answer by saying, well, my biggest fault is I'm just something of a perfectionist and a workaholic. Nothing. <laughs> Never go home. They immediately know that you're you're trying to give them a snow job. They know that's not true, right? So it's people can smell a fake, damaging admission a mile away. But if you can make a really true, authentic, damaging admission, like you might say, um, "Look, we don't have." If you have a, a, a retail furniture store, for instance, you might say, "We don't have the fanciest uh, facility. We don't have. We're not in the in the." Uh, the most posh district to have a retail store and our store, you know, it's older. The building is older. The fixtures are older, but that's one of the reasons, even though we're not, we don't have the atmosphere perhaps uh, that you might be expecting in a furniture store that sells high quality furniture. It's because of the fact that we've economized on the store facilities that we're able to offer you a deeper discount on this fine quality furniture. Well, that's a way of making a, a really true, damaging admission and using that as a springboard to explain why it's in the best interest of the prospect. This question is kind of weird, Ray, and the reason I'm asking it is because I saw an infographic that you had and you said that we should be using Johnson boxes on our copy and I was intrigued. I wondered, first of all, what is a Johnson box and why would we want to use one? Well, it's a good question and uh, it's it's a bit of direct marketing terminology or jargon, I suppose, but there there was a marketer back in the, I believe it was in the 1930s, uh, who was a newspaper advertising executive. And he, his last name was Johnson. Imagine that. <laughs> and he decided that it would be good to highlight certain parts of the text in the ad by setting it apart in a shaded box. Mm-hmm. And in the publishing industry, especially for magazines and newspapers, these are also often called call-out boxes. It's where the editor will take a salient point from the text and highlight it inside a box, inside the running text. And that's what we're talking about. And really the reason that you should use them, you should use them for sure, because what do we say earlier? People, at first, they don't read your copy. They skim, scan, and scroll it. That's why you want to have strong headlines and subheadlines or Mm -hmm. section headers that if people were just to skim through your ad and they read only the headline and the subheadlines or section headers and the Johnson boxes, they would see a number of compelling points or ideas that would cause them to feel that they need to go back and read more of the ad because they're interested. And that's the reason for using them. So you often see order forms in their own little box. You see testimonials in their own little box. But this is actually different. This is actually some of the sales copy itself, but it's differentiated from the rest of the sales copy. Yes, exactly. And what, like a good use of a Johnson box would be if you are selling something and you're a particular topic expert. Say you're a medical professional and you're selling some sort of nutritional book or, or program. You might have a Johnson box that has your bio or your CV inside of it so that people can see, oh, he was trained at Johns Hopkins University and et cetera, and just show some of your qualifications. Something that they might not read if it were buried inside the running text of the ad. Do you have any risk reversal techniques? Well, uh, the first thing we probably should do is 
help people understand risk reversal is another way of saying guarantee. But I think it's a better way of saying it because anytime someone is thinking of buying something online, there's a thought process that's going on inside their head. And the thought process is, if I put in my credit card information and click the button, am I about to be ripped off? Now, they may not think it that explicitly, but it's in the back of their mind. And so they know that they're taking a bit of a risk. And what we want to do as marketers is to take the risk back on our own shoulders. That's why we have things like the 30-day money-back guarantee. And what I like to do is I don't like to just leave it at that. I don't like to just say a 100% 30-day money-back guarantee, no questions asked. You should use language like that in your ad because people who for whom that's important are expecting you to state it just that clearly. But what I like to do is to denominate the guarantee a little further and actually use it as an excuse to recap the benefits of the actual product itself. So if you're selling, um, let's say you're selling a, a memory course that helps people enhance their ability to remember things. So you might have a, a little section that says we have 100% 30-day money-back guarantee, no questions asked. In other words, you might go on to say, if you are not delighted with this memory course, if you don't find yourself easily remembering the names of people that you just met, if you don't find it's no longer necessary for you to check your calendar or your iPhone to see when your appointments are because you're suddenly remembering them with crystal clear clarity, if you don't find that you're able to memorize phone numbers, email addresses, and website addresses in a flash, if you don't find that your memory and your mental sharpness is increased in every single way, then all you have to do is let us know, and we will rush you a 100% refund of every penny you've invested with us. Because here's one thing we do want you to remember. If this doesn't work for you, we don't want to keep your money. That just wouldn't be right. So that's a, that's a way of taking really just a 30-day money-back guarantee and, mm-hmm. as uh, Clayton Makepeace would say, dimensionalizing it and making it real for people, and also using it as a vehicle to reconnect them to the benefits of your product. When we come to actually writing itself, often you get something called blank page anxiety, where you just don't know where to start. What should we do to overcome that? The biggest thing you can do is to collect lots of research. When I write a project, I spend about 80% of my time just collecting all the information I can, all the previous sales copy, all the facts, the features, the benefits of the product, the testimonials that have already come in from other users. I look at other people's competing products and see what they're touting as the benefits of their product and ask myself, is there a way that we can, do we have the same benefit? Is there a different way we can articulate it? And I compile all that into a large document. And then if you're really having blank page anxiety, what I like to do is just start writing bullet points. And um, and then if that's troublesome for you, the, my next recommendation is it's as simple as just writing something. So the, the best place to start in writing any copy really is by starting by writing out your offer. What is it you're actually selling to people? Like mm-hmm. they're going to give you $97, and what are they getting in return? Just start writing that out. And I've even recommended to people, in some cases, if they're really stuck, write something as simple as the copyright notice or the the uh, the information that's required to fill in the order form. Just get started writing something. And 
what I've discovered is once you prime the pump by getting something flowing through your fingers into the keyboard, you'll find that the rest of the writing begins to come easier and easier. Is that something that only newbie copywriters suffer with? Or even someone like yourself, Ray, would you ever suffer from that yourself? You know, I've been fortunate. I haven't experienced it very often, but mm-hmm. I have experienced it often enough to know what it feels like. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've, I have found that um, probably one of the – in talking with my students, uh, one of the biggest reasons for this anxiety is the feeling that they have to get it perfect. They mm-hmm. want it to be, you know, some really – uh, stellar prose that they're spilling out onto the page. And my advice is you know, forget that. That's just bollocks. What you want to do is just get the first draft out as quickly as possible. And that means giving yourself permission to write a terrible first draft. Just go ahead and decide. This is going to be terrible. I'm just getting ideas out on the paper. Nobody else is ever going to read this. And if you can get into that place of freedom where you just let it flow out of you, what you'll discover after you've written it and you're not trying to edit it as you're going, when you go back and read it, you'll find lots of copy that is really pretty strong. It may need polishing, but usually what you discover is, wow, this was pretty good because I gave myself the freedom to be creative while I was writing it. Also, in the same infographic which I referred to earlier on, there was a really cool little diagram where it took you from blank page to a fully written sales letter. And it had six steps which show the process of writing and testing copy. Could you let us know a little bit about that step by step, please? Yes, uh, certainly. So you start with a blank page, and I do have an outline that I like to use when I'm writing copy, and I recommend to any copywriter that you have some kind of framework that you're going to hang your copy on. Mm -hmm. And I have a book called uh, Writing Riches, which is available through Amazon.com, and it's a a really good $15 investment for anybody who wants to learn how to write copy better. One of the things that I cover in one of the first chapters is what I call my sales letter blueprint, and there's 15 components of a sales letter that are spelled out in that blueprint. We don't have time to go through all those now, but I'll give you the the um, the overarching framework that covers or that those 15 points really hang from. Mm-hmm. And those are, um, number one, what you're offering, uh, what, you're, what you have to offer. So you could even think of your outline as point one, what I have to offer. Mm-hmm. Point two, what it will do for you. Point three, some questions you may have. And point four, here's what to do next. So point one might be what I have to offer you is a book on how to lose weight without giving up your favorite foods. Mm-hmm. Point two, the answer to that question of here's what it will do for you. It will allow you to lose weight without starving yourself to death, without weighing your food, without doing onerous calorie counting, and most importantly, without giving up the things that you love to eat so much because that's one reason why diets fail. So this will free you from all of that bondage. Point three, questions you might have. These are really objections that people may have to your uh, proposal, like, will this really work? Why another diet book? There's so many other diet books before that have already come. I've tried a 1,000 diets. Nothing seems to work for me. Um, how can it be that, you know, you, you can lose weight by still, by still eating pizza. All the objections you can think of that people may propose before they would agree to buy your book. And what you want to do is you want to answer those before they're even identified as objections. So we just think of them as questions. I, I usually, when I'm writing a section of copy like this, I'll write a, a little preparatory paragraph and I'll say something like this. I'll say, well, you know, if we were sitting down talking about this book in a local coffee shop 
and you were interested in buying the book, you might have some questions that you would ask me, and I'd be able to answer them for you. Since we're not in that coffee shop, instead what I'll do is I'll go ahead I'll go ahead and answer the questions that I most frequently am asked about this book, starting with this first question. Does this diet really work? Mm-hmm. And then you're off and running and you're answering the questions. So uh, that's that's the uh, the whole genesis of the outline. And, and then the fourth point of the outline is what to do next. And that's where you just say what you need to do right now if you want to start experiencing this miraculous weight loss system that allows you to peel off the pounds without giving up your favorite foods is you need to fill out the form below, put in your credit card number, and click uh, order now so that we can ship you your book right away. So that's just kind of the four-part framework. Now, the collect the collect phase is just about collecting your research. I was talking about that earlier. Collect mm-hmm. all the information you possibly can before you begin writing. If you're if you're writing copy for a book, one of the things you do in the collection process is you read the book and you make notes from your reading. And mm-hmm. then you begin just writing. I like to write my copy in chunks. Like I, one of the one of the chunks that I use is the the piece that I just repeated to you just a moment ago that I used to set up the Q and A part of the sales letter. Uh, that's something that I've written so many times I just naturally know this is how that's going to go. Um, then you know we step into the edit process after you've done all your writing, you've got your first draft out. Only then do you go back with a critical eye and ask yourself, okay, what can I trim? What is not actually necessary here? And one of the greatest tools that you can use editing is your own voice. And that is read your copy out loud in the inflection that you would if you were reading it in front of a group of people with all the emotion and emphasis and the pauses and so forth. Don't rush through this. Read it at a natural pace. And whenever you encounter something that causes you to stumble while you're reading out loud, you know that needs to be edited because if it causes you to stumble while you're reading it out loud and you're the one who wrote it, it will cause your readers to stumble when they're reading it to themselves. Mm-hmm. And then you test the copy. In other words, you put it in front of people and see what happens. And if it works, then fantastic. You may need to do some more editing if you find points where people are bailing out of your copy, stopping the reading process. You review it, and then you test it again, and you edit. And that's a never-ending process. Testing is a process of constant and never-ending improvement. So you never get to a point in there where you thought, right, job done. This is sales letter 100% complete. Instead, you continually test and make changes, so it just keeps on improving in terms of conversion rate. Yes, and you know you may reach a point where you have what we call a control piece that you just cannot seem to beat, but mm-hmm. you're constantly striving to figure out how can I beat this control piece? How can I get something that performs one or two percentage points better than my current winner? Brilliant. Well, Ray, thank you so much for going through that with me. Where can we get more of your content and more of your information? Well, it's very simple, Joey. Just uh, go to rayedwards.com. That's R-A-Y-E-D-W-A-R-D-S dot com. That is my main website. It's my blog where I write uh, pretty much daily through the week. Mm-hmm. I have a weekly podcast. I have lots of free information, tips, tricks, tactics, tools that you can use like the infographic that you mentioned. And then uh, if there are any times that I'm offering workshops or I'm going to be speaking somewhere, then we always make sure to let you know about that through the blog. I would really encourage you to sign up for our, for our free newsletter because that's where you can get the most up-to-date information. Excellent. That brings to an end today's episode. Thank you all for tuning in. Ray, thank you so much for coming on the show. Well, thank you, Joey. It has been my privilege. The Online Marketing Show. Every day with Joseph Bushnell. Helping you to grow your online business by driving more traffic, improving conversion rates, increasing customer value, and getting things done fast. 
Listen, take action, make money.